Still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. morning everyone good morning it's the morning show i'm mark he's stinky i tooted <laughs> while you guys are listening to that song i tooted i'm nicole <laughs> oh man all right uh, we uh we got some great woodworking stuff to talk about today we do uh, i want to thank some people who helped us out sorry uh, i didn't mean to yawn <laughs> is the show boring you nicole <laughs> do my farts put you to sleep is that what's going on uh, we want to thank some people who helped us out using the YouTube membership thing. So they signed up for uh, one of those levels. We only have mm-hmm. two. Uh, Marlon Horton, Nathan Rewerts, Brandon Dillon, and Richard Remillard. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate it. Remillard ding dong. Yeah, don't make fun of his name, Nicole. He just gave us money. I know. Uh, there's also patreon.com slash woodwhisper if you want to help out there. And remember, if you get to that, like, there's benefits on all of them, mm-hmm. depending on what you do. Mm-hmm. But if you get to that $5 level, um, you can get access to the after show, where we talk about a whole bunch of no, nonsense. $2 level. You don't know You don't know anything about our business, do you? <laughs> nope. $2. I'm just trying to do a show. The five dollars is all the extra stuff. I just make crap up. <laughs> Early releases for fifteen dollars. Nicole will slap you. Okay, how about that? So speaking of slaps, I have a uh, email or a uh, message here from Todd Fraser. He says, "No question, just a compliment. Great job on the breadboard and video. Loved all the different ways you showed the explanations. And Nicole slapping you in the face three times was the icing on the cake. Thank you for producing such great content, even for the free site. Aww. Well, thank you, Todd." And uh, we did just come out with a video. It's mm-hmm. on breadboards. It's four different ways to make proper breadboards. By proper, I mean you allow for expansion and contraction. Because if you don't, then it's not proper. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have uh, really the best part of the video is the uh, the slap part. So yeah. you guys want to watch that now? Yeah, Mark's like, can you come? Do a practice run? Just do it. I saw a YouTube video where they just put pocket screws across the whole thing and everything was fine. No. I'm not sure how I expected that to go, but that wasn't quite it. I saw a YouTube video where they just put puck. No! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a headache now. You want me to hit you? I'll hit you. Okay, I think we got it, Nicole. All right. Hey, thanks for your help. Bye. Hey, bring back a tile at all, would you? Yeah, sorry about that. I just totally cut yeah, you off. Yeah, you did. Well, look, my finger was in the middle of moving, and you're still talking, and I couldn't stop it. You just smack me if you want to. That's really how we do things in our house. No, I, I, uh, I really didn't want to do any of that. See, Nicole has this, like, she has this desire for, like, a lot of the old things to yeah. come back. Like, she likes the idea like the of doing skits and things like that. But then when I actually have an idea, and I'm like... Hey, can I get you to come to the shop? I had this idea. I just need you to slap me a couple times. It's it's my thing. Even <clears throat> it's, even back in the old That's true. Even back then you would, even back you, would then. you would give me guff about coming into the shop to help me, but then afterwards you're like, "Oh, that was really funny." Like the uh <clears throat> the direction that you gave me when I was the wood the the wood store girl. Yeah. What you saw was sheer annoyance on my yeah, face. Yeah, actually, most of what happens is she's just annoyed to be in here, wants no part of it. There's no acting going on. 
Okay, so that's that. Go watch that. It's on the uh, on the YouTube channel on our yeah. website at thewoodwhisper.com. On this very channel. <clears throat> yeah, the channel you're on right now. Uh, the other thing I did was I went to Brian Benham's shop on Monday and Tuesday. We filmed uh, this project for the Guild. That'll be a 2021 project. Uh, this will actually be a fairly inexpensive project. Good. It might be one of the cheaper, inexpensive, I don't, cheap is not the right word, but most inexpensive projects we have in the Guild. Uh, we were able to film this whole thing in two days, so it's not going to be, you know, 10 parts uh, it's, it's, like I some like of it. our projects, but it's a nice little end table, but um, he's got some great techniques in there, some really cool stuff. And I think you guys are going to love it, so uh, stay tuned for that. But that's what I did on Monday and Tuesday. Went down to Colorado Springs. That's not a drive I want to do ever again. Uh, our friend. <laughs> At all. Katie, would. she had to do that drive a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. You have something uh, we need to cover before we go? I know. Scott Walsh just said, can you do a rotisserie <coughs> chicken on, on your barbecue channel? There's only four videos, mm. and one of those is a rotisserie. <coughs> no, it's not. It's a spatch spatch cock. Spatch cock. Chicken. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, I probably won't you, do a rotisserie chicken. You don't have one of those little thingies. I have a rotisserie for the uh, gas grill, yeah, but not for my other grills. It's really, you know, rotisserie is not my favorite way to cook chicken. I think spatchcocking really is the best way to cook a chicken. He, the turkey yeah, was good. Turkey. Spatchcocked. It was. It was delicious. <laughs> okay. You want to get to some questions? Uh, sure. Well, oh, no. I need to say thank you. Send a thank you to Jolie over at uh, lower48.org. Yep, um, got their sticker right there. Yeah. She uh, sent, uh, I think this is a t-shirt for me. I'm not much of a t-shirt wearer, mm-hmm. but I, I appreciate the sun. She likes to cut it's them into It's actually quilts. very soft. I do. Send her a t-shirt. She's going to take a pair of scissors to it. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you to Jolie. <clears throat> I've been, I've been uh, Christmas shopping on, on their website. They have a beautiful pens, so... I have my little Christmas stock. Well, I'm excited to I get, a, get a pen. <laughs> You're not going to get anything. <clears throat> okay. It's stuff that I want, that I wish you had more time to do. Sure. So. That's what we have John for. <laughs> okay, so Will wrote in. He says, I'm making a base for a desk and have a question about measuring angled pieces. The foot of the base and the under table support are the same. I'm making the support. This is kind of difficult to understand in words. So he's basically angling the legs and he's asking, what is the easiest way to accurately measure the height between the leg and the top, being that uh, it is tilted back, it's going to be longer than the actual height. So he's basically saying you've got a, a floor, you've got a tabletop, you've got a distance between those, but when you angle the legs, the angle changes the length of that workpiece. How do you figure that out? A lot of times, SketchUp. Uh, usually if I know the angle and I know the height that I want that thing to be, you get those numbers to a very, very exact degree uh, in SketchUp. And then in the shop, you just get close, right? You get close, and if your table ends up being, you know, a sixteenth of an inch higher or lower than the plan, who cares? Uh, but SketchUp is what I use to to work those numbers out first. <coughs> Excuse me. It's one of those mornings. Uh, I have, it's funny. I have a question from Charles Nelson and a question from Kevin Hahn. Uh, Charles, uh, sorry. Not Charles. Chris uh, wants to know where you purchased hardwood when you lived in Arizona. Which Spelman. Is Spelman. Spelman. Hardwoods. Hardwood. And then Kevin is getting ready for his first project. Oh, wrong one. I just. Oh, Nicole. I know. What my copy doing? and paste. Hearted, heart, heritage artisan. Uh, when you lived, where did you live in Arizona? I live in so- Southern California. All my hardwoods have been ordered and shipped, but I'm almost at almost cost preventative. Did you have a problem in Arizona? 
with hardwood cost. No. no, no. I mean, they there were places that were really expensive. Uh, if you go to, oh, what the heck were the names of those? Well, any any like cool. Rockler and Woodcraft, those prices were no bueno. Uh, there were a couple places that were pre- oh Woodworker Source. That was one of the places that I found to be almost prohibitively expensive. I remember when mm-hmm. I was doing some early projects, <clears throat> I would go there to pick up hardwood, and I would come back and be like. I don't know how I'm going to make a profit on this. Uh, These are really expensive boards. Uh, And that's when I found a place like Spellman Hardwood. Spellman is a, you know, mostly business-to-business kind of a distributor. Um, It's the places that are doing, like, general retail sales with a lot of other things. That's the ones that tend to be more expensive. Uh, And you probably should avoid those. They they were a last resort for me. Um, But if you go to a place like Spellman, you're going to find much more fair prices. And you'd think in the middle of the desert, the price, because wood has to come from everywhere else, right, Uh, that it would be more expensive. It's just really not the case. Because in a lot of cases, even when you buy local, there's a lot of times where that wood itself didn't come from where you are. It came from somewhere else. There's a distributor that they use. Someone like, you know, where Shannon works. Uh, He works at a distributor that Uh sends him to all kinds of other lumber retailers. So uh, it could have come from anywhere. But I didn't find it prohibitively Uh expensive. Yeah. Okay, uh, Jesus wants to resaw something. He says, uh, I want to resaw in half a few boards which are about one inch thick, five inches wide. I don't have a bandsaw, so I'm thinking of doing it at the table saw. Cutting one side, flipping the piece to cut the other. I've seen some woodworkers doing it on YouTube, but it doesn't seem very safe. Is it just a bad idea or is it possible to do this safely? Maybe not cutting all the way through and leaving the central part of the cut with a handsaw. Well, I think you hit it, Jesus. That's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, if you can... Use a tall fence, you know, so you have full support for that board as you cut it. Uh, You're going to basically cut through one side, flip it, cut through the other, and leave yourself just a little bit of material so that off-cut piece doesn't just fall away or become dangerous. Leave enough in there that you could use uh, some sort of a handsaw, sometimes like a Ryoba, Ryoba, the Japanese saws that don't have a back on them. uh, That will allow you to go through, cut that middle spine out, and then you just use a hand plane to or a planer if you have one, to clean up that inside ridge, and it should work out just fine. It's a little bit dicey, though. I mean, anytime you're cutting that deep into a board continuously, it's asking a lot of the blade. Make sure you use a good quality ripping blade. Um, But even then, it's still a lot of friction. There's a lot of factors at play. So it's not my favorite thing to do, but uh, it can be done safely. Mike Davies. Mike! He says, I've got a commission for a coffee table with a walnut top, but all the walnut available in my area is now... Super defective. That was actually my, my nicknaming or my my hero name. If I was super a hero, defective. I would be super defective. <laughs> okay, uh, happy to embrace the chaos, but we'll need to do some epoxy work to fill some things. West systems okay for this, or should I get a slower curing epoxy? I have the fast hardener. Also, would you tint it dark with something or leave it clear? West system is fine. Even the fast hardener dries slow enough, and it's like loose enough of a material um, that you should have no problem using that. It's not, when it comes to epoxy, it's not um, cure time for filling uh, knots and things like that. That's a problem. It's viscosity. So no matter how, I mean, I would want it to cure as fast as possible as long as it was still very loose so it would seep down into the knot. Uh, So West System is fine. The fast hardener gives you plenty of time. That's in fact what I used in the past a lot. I've got some Total Boat that I've been using. Uh, They did send me those uh, as a complimentary gift. Uh, but it works just like West Systems. It's fine. Uh, and here's an example. I've got some fill going on here that has a little bit of trans tint dark mission brown. I think it's dark mission brown. Uh, just one drop in a, in a whole batch of epoxy is enough to give it some color. I would not go clear 
If you put clear epoxy into a knot, especially if it's a substantial knot, you just see right through it. It's like there's a layer of glass there and you see the inside parts of the knot, which to me looks like epoxy in a knot instead of looking like a, you know, sap filled knot. You know, we want it to look a little more natural. So definitely use some, some coloring agent in there. Tomasa wants to know if we can, <clears throat> instead of having a guild meeting, we can have a Zoom Thanksgiving dinner together. That wouldn't be weird at all. That might be the weirdest Thanksgiving dinner I've ever had. <laughs> I was actually going to bring my mom in through FaceTime. I mean, would we all just sit there and eat together? I guess. Could you imagine the That's, audio track on that? Oh. The clinking of the knives and the forks? Yeah. and. Well, we used to listen to a podcast where it was three guys talking about video games. Yeah. And they would eat. They would be eating. And you hear the clinks. It was pretty bad. Mouth. But I. But I loved. There, there was some charm to it. What was it. it called? The lunchbox. Lunchcast or something. Lunchcast. It was a video game lunchcast. Yeah. But yeah, it would remind me of like this. The scene in um, Christmas Vacation where they're all eating dinner. Yep. No one's talking, and yep. all you hear is the sounds of people munching <laughs> and a clinking of plates. It's gross. And then you got cousin Eddie trying the potatoes, and then slapping it on his plate. <laughs> it is good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Kevin Windsor. He says, I'm building another jewelry box project. Does it make sense to batch process multiple components such as drawer parts? For example, lay out and cut all the side dovetails at once and then match them up individually uh, to the front and back components. I hand cut the dovetails so that they wouldn't be interchangeable. I like the efficiency but worry about making 10 pieces. Wrong. I think you can do some batching here. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there are people who will put similar parts together, clamp them together, and actually cut them at the same time. So if you're doing like a small jewelry box, your parts are very thin. There's absolutely nothing wrong with putting four of those pieces together. Get them perfectly lined up, clamp them, draw your line across, and cut your tails, right? So if you're doing like a tails first thing, cut your tails four at a time, right? So you'll be able to get those tails cut. Now at that point, they should all be close to the same, but if let's say you were on a slight angle, maybe they start to vary, but at least you saved yourself the time of getting all the tails cut in batches. And then if you need to individualize them and sort of marry them to specific drawer sides, you could do that. But if you cut consistently, all of them will be the same. So then you can kind of take one, match it up, mark out one set of pins, uh, and then batch cut your pins as well. Uh, no, you can't batch cut your pins, can you? because the, the angle's going the other way. So let me, I'd have to think about that a little bit more if there's a faster way to do your pins, but I don't think you can batch them. But at the very least, all of your tails will be the same, which means your layout and everything will be the same on your pin board. So you should be able to speed things up a little bit that way. Chat room, help me out there. My brain's not totally on today. Is there a fast way to, to batch cut the pins like that? I, don't, I just don't think there is because you've, you've got angles. So you stack another piece with the same angles on top, they're offset. So I don't think you can do that. Um, but it is early. Uh, Gordon Cameron, at the top of the show, asked, Mark, it se I seem to remember you being a fan of Bill Pence's Cyclone design for dust collection and Clearview being a sponsor at one mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Are you still a fan? Has the science advanced? Sure. No. <laughs> I mean, look, Bill, Bill Pence's stuff is great. Uh, he is a man who has had some, I, I believe, health issues as a result of wood dust and really got hell-bent on figuring it out. And he did. And he came up with a great design. Clearview has a fantastic design, but that doesn't invalidate other companies' designs. Uh, there are some designs that may not work as well as others, but having owned both a Clearview Cyclone and a Oneida Dust Gorilla, I could tell you they both will suck the balls off a brass monkey. 
It's my favorite thing to say. I love it when people ask questions about that because I get to say that. Uh, so, it, so that's what I mean. It, it is a good design. I think if you were to say what is the best design, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I'm, I'm no physicist. I'm a doctor, Nicole. What? <laughs> Star Trek joke. <laughs> I'm not a physicist. I'm a doctor. Is that what he says? <clears throat> no. But, uh, but you know, if you look at the the research that's that's there, you 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 know, Pence makes a a pretty strong argument and a a strong case for it. But it's all outside of my pay grade. All I know is that my dust gorilla sucks all the dust from my tools as I need it to, as did my Clearview Cyclone. Okay? I know you made some jokes, and I was supposed to laugh, but I was busy messing with the chat. This is the story of my life, Nicole. <laughs> Trying to make you laugh and realizing that you're busy looking at something else. Okay. It happens. You know it what? Happens. When your PS5 comes in today, uh-huh. I might just have to hide it. I'll just play WoW. And I'll wait till you're on your phone. I'll tell you where it is. That's all right. And then you'll look up and go, huh? I'm like, you missed your chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where am I? Will uh, Hooper. Will Hooper says, I'm doing a cutting board with an epoxy inlay on the non-cutting side. Would shellac be okay to use to seal it in so that I don't get bleed out of the color? Do you have a better recommendation? Thanks again for all you do. You're welcome, Will. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. Shellac is fine. I mean, I don't know what your final finish for this cutting board is going to be, but he's talking about sealing the grain so that if you use a colored epoxy, it doesn't bleed into the grain around it, so you kind of get like diffuse lines. Um, so shellac is a pretty good option. You could use lacquer. Uh, you know, again, it's a cutting board, but it is the bottom side of a cutting board. You also may be using this as a temporary thing, so you kind of seal the bottom first, then you do your router inlay or CNC. I don't know, what did he say? Did he say CNC? Whatever he's doing. You put your shape in there, then you put your epoxy, then you sand it all down, which will then remove the lacquer. And then you can go to some kind of an oil or something that is food safe. So yeah, I think shellac would suffice in that uh, situation. Mm-hmm. I got a question here from <laughs> Kevin. I finally got to Kevin. Sorry, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, getting ready for my first project with dovetails and they will be exposed. Ooh, don't expose your Ooh. dovetails. What is a, for that. is a good species to pr- practice on hand-cutting dovetails? Um, I want to get the ugly ones out of the way with scraps. Hmm. Oak? Red oak is good? I'm, I'm surprised you didn't pa, say, pa, 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 what? make it count. Like, like, when you're working on it, use your good wood and then make it count. Well, Nicole, I only gave three seconds of an answer. Okay. And I might have gotten to that if you would have let me finish. <laughs> This is what happens when you have a husband and wife show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moments like this. Uh, yeah, so I would, if you need to do a lot of practice and you don't want to waste the good material on your project, um, I find you know red oak is a good option. It's usually what hardwood can you get that's fairly inexpensive. Uh, poplar isn't that bad. It's a little bit soft, but if you go to something like you know being on the, the left coast, alder was something that was really inexpensive that was a great wood to kind of practice with and use for things like that. But the problem is alder is so soft and the fibers tend to crush. The way alder behaves under saw and chisel is very different than the way a harder species of wood behaves. So you can get away with things that you can't get away with on harder species. So I I feel like practicing with woods that are inexpensive but also softer uh, because they're generally maybe less desirable woods, um, that's not a great thing because you're not actually getting practice that matters, right? You'll get a little bit of practice. There might be a little hand-eye coordination that it'll help you with, but in the end, you won't still have the same feel. Uh, so I recommend red oak. Red oak is nice and hard. It's fairly easy to get, uh, and it's not that expensive. Uh, but ideally, going to what Nicole said, 
Sometimes it's better to just work on the project material and just go for it. Because if you have a, a set of dovetails that's not perfect, it's not the end of the world. I mean, when dovetails were initially invented and used, they weren't done for aesthetic purposes. They were done for functionality and they don't need to be perfect and gap free to serve that function. Isn't that what that uh, <clears throat> wood filler is for? That's what wood filler is for, yes. It's what the ancient Egyptians used. <laughs> They had a uh, different color clays what, what, that they would what, fill the gaps the, with. What's the wood filler we, you, you use? Timbermate. Timbermate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> slap some Timbermate in yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so there is something to what Nicole's saying. I, I totally agree with the idea of a, a higher stakes. Uh, sometimes when the stakes are higher and you're practicing, the lessons you learn are much more meaningful. So I say go for it, right? It, but the, the funny thing that I, I, there are people who will spend lots of time practicing dovetails. Um, do you know how many times I've spent or how much time I've spent practicing a dovetail? You did one class. I did one class, but like I'm talking, okay, I cut a bunch of boards and I start practicing. I just make, I just cut tails, Never. right? Never. Like the most I'll do is a warm up run on a piece of scrap just to get my hand eye coordination, my muscle memory going for sawing. But outside of that, I've always tried to cut things that are consequential. Uh, and I feel like I learn more that way. And uh, yeah, do that. Well, and I think too, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not a woodworker, but. As but you married one. <laughs> true. But I, I think the sign of a good work or woodworker is not necessarily you got it perfect on the first time. It's how do you fix your mistakes? How do you recover? Mm -hmm. Like those are the, the tips and tricks that come with experience. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Yeah. But it's kind of BS. How do you figure? <laughs> I just, it's one of those things that drives me Like when me I nuts. quilt, that, no, there's no, no. times where I've, I'm going... Ah, uh, how, how do I fix this? No, this is one of those things that's fun to put on a poster or a sign or a t-shirt or sure. in a comment section where you say, uh, um, uh, the sign of a great woodworker is how well he hides his mistakes. No, that's not true at all. The sign of a good woodworker is how few mistakes he makes. Yeah, and then yeah. when he makes a mistake, okay. how well he can fix it, right? And there's two levels. There's the, <laughs> there's the woodworker that makes all the perfect stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And then there's the woodworker that doesn't make the perfect stuff, but knows how to Yeah. It's it. like yeah, it, it, the, the saying is almost <laughs> implying that if you don't make mistakes, you're, you're not, not a actually good, a good woodworker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. The real good woodworkers aren't making mistakes, <laughs> but when they do, they know how to fix them. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Let's qualify that statement. Okay. <laughs> All right. Double T Tony Tang says, I use general finishes and Duro black poly satin on oak. It is super glossy. The instructions say to spray, but I don't have a sprayer, so I use the brush. This uh, is it possible to make it less glossy? Also, who came up with the slap idea? It's hilarious. That's my genius plan. <laughs> it was Nicole's fabulous execution, though, that really made it magic. Um, uh, so, times. yeah, you can generally anything that has you know that that's a clear finish. Well. This is not a clear finish. I'm not that familiar with this stuff. I'm assuming it's kind of like a, um, uh, like their water-based Endurovar with some kind of a black pigment or dye mixture in it. So I'm guessing there's enough in there that it kind of responds like a clear finish. So in the world of clear finishes, you can absolutely take a very glossy finish and just kind of scuff it up to make it a matte satin or whatever it is. And I'm hoping this stuff responds the same way. You may want to check with them. Uh, sometimes if there's like too much color in it, it may not respond that, too well to this process. So again, check with, with um, general finishes to make sure. But look into um, things you would want to search, like rubbing out a finish, right? That is something where depending on the grit you go to, you can establish a super high gloss, like a piano finish, if you go to super high grits, or you could stay lower uh, and wind up getting a very matte finish. So the key 
is that process. How do you actually do that? Uh, if you just take sandpaper to the surface or steel wool, which is something people will do, um, it tends to, I don't really like the way that looks. I feel like you need a lubricant in there. So if you have uh, like a wet sanding process with wet dry paper, you could take maybe, try like a thousand grit or 600 grit. See what these look like in uh, small areas and then do it on the whole thing. But I like the wet process because it just seems to sand more evenly and gives you a more even appearance. But steel wool, high grit sandpaper, and you could even use abrasive compounds if you want to, to do something like this. Classically, they might use like rotten stone and pumice. I think it's pumice. Pumice. Or pumice. Pumice. I like to pronounce it pumice. Pumice. But it is a matter of putting scratches in the surface. And if you don't know how this works, uh, the glossy finishes are reflecting lots of light, right? And you see the reflections. You could always see the lights on the ceiling. Uh, when you scuff the surface, you're interrupting that so that the light kind of scatters a little bit more. And that's the eff- that has the effect of making the uh, surface look duller to us. Anthony has a question. He says, good morning, guys. I'm building a hand tool workbench, and I purchased a shoulder vise as opposed to a front vise. What should the grain orientation be of the mount for the screw? I don't know. I just read, I, uh, I just read the question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, shoulder vise opposed to a front vise. I, I, I would have to look at I've never installed a shoulder vise, um, especially like a classic style. What's this? <clears throat> that is a tail vise. Tail vise. Similar functionality. Okay. But, you know, different in uh, in its execution and design. Um, I would have to look at it. I don't know. This is not something that I think has is up for debate. It's not, like when I look at shoulder vices, they tend to all kind of look oriented the same. So I would look at some pictures and I would certainly look for the instruction. Chat. I have a chat. Oh, it disappeared. I would, uh, there we go. I would certainly look for the instruction set for that particular mm-hmm. shoulder vise because it probably will tell you, but this is something that should be pretty well established out there. I just don't know off the top of my head. Hey, Scott Walsh Scott has Walsh. a very timely question. Didn't we just get some in the mail? Is that what that stuff is? I don't know. Have you ever used 3M Cubitron <laughs> sandpaper? Uh, well, the problem is I can't reach it. You want me to Hold see on. if I can get uh, it? I think I can reach it. Okay. All right. Entertain. 3M just sent us a package, um, and I think that might be the sandpaper. Paper. 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 Cubitron. Is it Cubitron? No. Pro grade precision faster sanding. I see nothing that says Cubitron. No, no, it's not Cubitron. My mistake. Oh, way to go. Nicole. They did send us some sandpaper, though. They sent me some purple sandpaper. <laughs> I was most impressed by it. So never, not, never mind. Not, not by, I wasn't impressed by the sandpaper. I was impressed by um, the information they included for influencers for disclosure. Yes. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice to see. Sorry. That, all, that just messed up my microphone. I'm Nicole. sorry. I didn't mean to. Are you influenced yet? I'm always influenced. Speaking of influencers. Yeah. So sorry about that. I don't have a great, uh, great answer. Is it new? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. The thing is, I don't go through sandpaper that quickly. So I've got some 3M. You still have like Festool sandpaper. Well, that's a different thing. That's random orbit sander. I'm talking like uh, 8.5 by 11 sheets of sandpaper. It takes me so long to go through like a contractor pack Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Uh, Yeah, I have. I think I bought sandpaper maybe five years ago Mm -hmm. the last time. (laughs) Okay. Jack Dalby says, my first question is, are we having a guild meeting this month? Yes. Thanks for making me work, Jack. Just planning on enjoying my uh, the rest of my it's month. It's February. Or not February. God. It's November. Indeed, Nicole. It is February. 
Nicole has spoken. <laughs> Adjust your calendars, everyone. You know, it's Friday the 13th today. Yeah, it is. Ooh. Yeah, we'll have a guild meeting this month. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll work on that. Uh, Grandma's watching the kids, so I actually have a little bit of time to focus on stuff, and that will be one of the things I focus on today. In addition to playing your PS5, if it comes in. I'm not going to... Yeah, you... Uh, we'll talk about it in the after all show. Right, all right, My other question is, do you have any experience with jigs that folks like Izzy Swan make to turn legs on a table saw? What kind of safety issues do you see with them, if any? Well, all the safety issues, like every one of them. <laughs> so Izzy is a nut. He makes crazy stuff. He's kind of like a mad scientist of woodworking, yeah. and I love him for it. But a lot of the things he does, I wouldn't do. It's just not the way I do things. In his hands, in his shop, these things strike me as safe. I know him to be very competent at what he does, and his designs are solid. As a new woodworker, I would be very careful about implementing some of those things, right? You have to really understand everything that's happening. You got to build it as well as he builds it. But when you're doing any of these, um, you know, uh, trick sort of things, even as simple as uh, making coping profiles uh, on the table saw where you're kind of running it at an angle, even that is one of those operations. I did a video on that years ago um, that is still dicey. It's a little bit scary and you really got to know what you're doing because as we all know, the table saw of all shops of all tools in the shop is one of the most dangerous or one of the most, uh, if something goes wrong, there's going to be hell to pay for it. So um, I would exercise caution around anybody's weird looking jigs. If it looks unsafe, it probably is, but that doesn't mean that that person is somehow inherently doing something that's unsafe. They may have like created something that works very well, but as the person, you know, building that version of, excuse me, your own version of that thing, you just got to be careful. You just got to be careful. But I should say, speaking specifically, the one that he did for turning legs on a table saw, I haven't really seen it, but I have a lot of faith in Izzy, and I don't think, you know, he's a bright guy. He knows what he's doing, so. OJ's in the chat. He OJ! Did, he did a super chat. It's Russ, right? Russ. 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 That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> I know what it is. I'm just making sure you do. <laughs> okay, OJ says, I'm going to make a, a stand-up sit-down desk so I never have to stop playing WoW Watch the uh, breadboard video, but I don't like breadboards. Uh, how do you keep the tabletop flat without them? I demand perfection. Well, OJ, if you actually watch the video, <laughs> that was addressed. And that he was almost, addressed. Yeah, didn't I almost slap you? And that's when I didn't slap you. That's right. It, it, that is when I discuss how breadboards are not necessary. If a <laughs> panel is constructed properly and the conditions are reasonable and uh, the wood has been you know dried properly there's no there's very few if any times where a breadboard is required not russ ross i know okay that's why i'm messing with you okay (laughs) (laughs) he was messing you know i have an uncle named russ i I, okay (laughs) all right so you got it man it's in there go look at it and i have a video uh, also i think it's like 10 tips for flat panels uh, watch that video, and that will give you all the tips you need. Got a question here from... Oh, what happened to my questions? Oh. Speaking of Izzy, did you guys see the uh, the whole bandsaw blade folding debacle? Oh, yeah, yeah. That started on Instagram? No, 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 no. Well, John and I were talking about it. We're like, why did this take off? Why did this become a thing? So here's here's a story on... Speaking of stories, on Instagram, I posted a story of John trying to fold a bandsaw blade, and it was hilarious because he knows how to do it, and he's done it before, but it just wasn't working for him and he couldn't figure out why. So I started to film it and it was funny. 
So then people saw him struggling and were like, so I, I actually wound up posting a video saying, all right, I got enough questions about this. How do you actually fold a bandsaw blade? And I showed the completed action. And then as I'm scrolling through my timeline, I see Izzy posts the video mm-hmm. on how to fold it. And then Matt has to post the video. And then like six other people post videos. So it became this thing. And I was like. New water bucket challenge. It is. It was like the ice, ice bucket the, challenge. The, the push-ups. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> why did this even happen? And I think the key was the video, the first video we posted was someone struggling. They were mm-hmm. having trouble. Mm-hmm. That sort of gives this impression that people have trouble folding bandsaw blades. Mm-hmm. And then it just took off from there. And everybody kind of has a slightly different way of doing it. Izzy's mm-hmm. way uh, was very different than what I do. And he has a way to do like a five fold instead of just a trifold. Mm. So it, it was just funny. It was really interesting to watch that take Find off. your fold. <laughs> yeah, find your fold. Let's t-shirt. T-shirt idea, Nicole. <laughs> Uh, Custom Made Crafts wants to know, what would you say is currently trending in the wood world to make for YouTube? Chevron um, hairpin tables? No. Tensegrity tables. Has that run its course yet? I know a lot of people were doing that. Do you really even pay attention to the craft world, though? Absolutely not. Well, are the, I mean, the, the, I mean here's, here's the thing. You don't really look at trends online. No. You just build what What I, are you trying to say, Nicole? I like to think that I'm sort of hip on some trends. I mean, am I right? <laughs> no, I don't pay attention to trends. Um, you know, we had a, a little discussion about this this morning with knowing what I could do with oh, yeah. our content yeah. to get more views, to get more interaction, to get more like action on our videos. I know what to do but I don't want to do it. (laughs) So I am intentionally making content that I know will not perform as well as other things I could be doing. And that is just sort of my lot in life. Uh, That's that's the way it is when you're deep down into a niche. So very rarely do I I pay attention to trends and uh, things like if, if five people have already made a video about that, my approach to it is like, I don't want to be like, here's my thoughts on it. Uh, it's like, no, that's pretty well covered. I'm going to yeah. go in a different direction. So the only, the, the latest thing I've seen is tensegrity tables. What's that's that? where they are, um, where like a base and a top, it's kind of held in suspension with cords, wires, turnbuckles or whatever. So you have something holding it down, but also something holding it up. It's a whole weird thing and they're mm-hmm. very delicate. Mm-hmm. So that if you like knock them sideways, they so just collapse. So it would be great in our house with our kids. They're completely impractical. <laughs> But it is neat to see what people yeah. can actually accomplish yeah, yeah, with yeah, it because yeah. it's one of those things that looks like it defies gravity. Yeah. So it's it's pretty nifty, but <laughs> I don't I just don't follow these trends. No. Well, and isn't that's a lot of times Pinterest is a good like if you're mm-hmm. looking for a trend, look on Pinterest. So is that the is that the where people are this... saving and they kind of like rank them based on people saving. Yeah, I mean, is that, I might have misunderstood the question. Is that where it's coming from? Like, I want to build stuff that people are interested in. I'm guessing. So what are people looking for to buy furniture-wise? I'm assuming that's like what the question Like mid-century modern, Maybe. epoxy tables, whatever. Yeah, anyway, we're not yeah. the right people to ask because- Go on Pinterest. We generally kind of run our own race. <laughs> what do I need? Yeah, the mayor's back. Name? <laughs> the mayor's back, everybody. Yeah. Yay, <clears throat> Mayor Goldie Wilson. Okay, uh, Kim has a question. Kim. If you had to do without one major power tool, jointer, planer, table saw, bandsaw, and rely on a hand tool to do the job, what would be your choice and why? Well, for me, I would, to me, the logical approach is to go to the tools that represent the later stages of the process of, of milling lumber. 
so the further you go, I think the easier it is to replace it. So for me, like my drum sander, I think my drum sander would be the first major power tool to go because I have other ways to sand. I have other ways to scrape, to hand plane. Uh, it's just the finishing step, right? And I feel like that's the least important or labor intensive uh the, the stuff at the beginning of the process, when we're just chopping boards, we're cutting them in half, we're milling them flat and square, that's where I really want to rely on the workhorses of the shop. And I would be a lot less, I would be a lot more hesitant to get rid of those. Um, I would want to get rid of the things that are later in the process. That's a fun question to think about. Call me Mock. <laughs> that did a super chat. Call me Mac. <laughs> Ma. Call mock. mock. It's very confusing. Yeah. You, wow. Because <laughs> you say ma. It's the capitalization. Right? Yeah, it's mock. Mock. <laughs> okay. Uh, buy a radial saw instead of a 12-inch miter saw? Question mark. That depends on you. Yeah. Uh, in, in, you know, these days, most people are going to favor a sliding compound miter saw. That format has just become much more popular. Radial arm saws still have value. In fact, at Brian's, uh, he's got a Capex and he's not happy with it. And he also has a radial arm saw that was an older tool that he had. Uh, he's going back to the radial arm saw. He's really? going to you know, rejig everything and, and get the radial arm saw back in place. He just prefers that. Uh, you know, you get more versatility, more cut capacity out of it, but it's a very different tool. Um, Is it a, it's dangerous. It's more open blade right? It's not that dangerous. It's okay. like any other tool. You got to know the nuances. Yeah. It can be dangerous in the wrong set of hands. Gotcha. Right. But it's not necessarily just inherently dangerous. So like a toddler shouldn't be. Yes. In the wrong <laughs> right? hands, a toddler is very dangerous. So uh, do your research on the two types. But I think if you are looking at modern resources for learning how to do things, you're going to find more people using compound miter saws than you will radial arm saws. So I would probably urge you to go toward the um, compound miter saw. Got a question. Do you have any more um, Patreon stuffs? Uh, I got stuffs. one more. One more. Or is it? Two more stuffs. No, one more. Oh. Kurt Allen. Okay. Actually, I don't even have an answer to this. He's... Uh, I don't have enough information. He says, I have a case good project coming up with three quarter inch walnut where I'll be using tenons along with stop dados and grooves for the partitions and end panels. How thick and deep would you make the tenons for something like this? And would you handle, uh, how would you handle the end panels any differently than the interior partitions? The problem I have with this is I probably wouldn't do tenons. So I don't completely understand the structure. I would need mm. more inf information about what you're planning to do. Um, but if I'm putting casework together with three quarter inch material, it's not a whole lot of room for tenons. So I would most likely be doing dados and rabbits as opposed to actual tenon joints. You can do like little stubby tenons and do sort of like a crenellated tenon. If you've ever seen that where you have a groove that runs across and then you have deeper tenons punctuating it throughout. You could do something like that, but you really, you know, you only have three quarters of an inch to play with. So you're talking about maybe an eighth inch tenon that goes, you're in a, a quarter inch dado and then you go down an eighth inch more uh, with your tenons and that helps lock it in place. It starts to get to be a pretty complicated joint and gets to the point of asking why do we need to do that, right? So I would need a little bit more information mm -hmm. to give you a more detailed answer. Uh, and that's all my questions. Alrighty. Uh, Ken Mara says, "What? I'm not sure where this question will go, but we'll, I'll ask it anyway. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve when you watch YouTube videos? You don't really watch. Don't, well, I'll tell you, you want it, the, the honest answer? is the stuff that my kids watch. That's oh. that's the YouTube content I see yeah. the most. Yeah. And the um, manic 
always on high energy about stuff that isn't worth having high energy over. Oh my God. The, the overreaction. <laughs> the overreactions. It drives me nuts. And, and I, and this is why we have to limit the kids exposure to this stuff because I don't want my kids to have those same reactions to like what flavor cereal they have this morning mm-hmm. or like, look what I found and then flipping out. Like it's the biggest thing. Like it's, it's that, that would be my pet peeve is the, um, uh, the, and this has always been the case. Like any kind of media where you have someone who is way too excited about the, the thing that they're talking mm-hmm. about. Like it's, it, they remind me of, um, you know, like as seen on TV, mm-hmm. salespeople, right? The yeah, over, yeah, overly yeah, yeah. animated. Uh, <laughs> Billy Mays here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also like morning show, like yeah. morning zoo stuff on yeah. classic radio mm-hmm. where it's just, there's like slide whistles in the background and they're hitting pots and pans. It's like, settle down, guys. It's yeah. it's just, it's 8 a.m. Settle down. <laughs> That's my pet peeve. Uh, but, you know, it's speaking in the world of, you know, the woodworking stuff, mm-hmm. right? I do have a couple of pet peeves. You want to hear them? Uh, sure. Okay. And I've dipped my toe into this. I'm guilty as anybody yep. else. I have, I have a couple of pet peeves, and it's, it's the playbook for success on YouTube. That playbook includes have a title that tries to get people to have an emotion. It's not that informative. No, that's a thumbnail. We'll get to that. You know what I mean? So, like, the way I titled my breadboards uh, video there's ways I could have done that that actually would have been more effective. But mm-hmm. I towed the line of my own comfort by putting a statement in the title. So instead of titling it Four Ways to Make Breadboards, it's titled something like, you know, Breadboards, the joint most people get wrong. Mm-hmm. You're, you're eliciting emotion. It's you, way more effective to do that, but I hate it. The problem is, I can't remember what the uh, thing is, but if you if you say something wrong... People love to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> love it. And they interact. And that's, you know, that's just human nature. What are you talking about? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't understand the relevance of what I thought you're you were saying. saying, you said in your title, you, you get wrong. Oh, that they did something wrong. Yes. Oh, I see. So people want to see what's wrong, tell you what's right. Yeah. It's this whole engagement. Well, and it's, it's, it elicits emotion, right? Like, right. what am I getting wrong? You know, yes. or, or what, what are they getting wrong so I can make fun of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is the thumbnails. Guys, the thumbnails, right? The open yeah. mouth, uh, you look like an idiot, you know, catching flies <laughs> with your mouth agape. Uh, those sort of reactionary thumbnails where people's faces are in there, my gosh, I hate them. But here's the problem. I understand. It works. I've tested it. I've done some goofy things just to try it out. These people who do this are playing the game. And it's much, you actually get much more traction in a video if you look like an a-hole in the thumbnail, right? It's just the way it works. And that's why it's there. So they're pet peeves. I understand it, but I also dislike it very much. <laughs> and, and it's really hard to have common sense tell you, like you run a business, right? There's rules. There's things that are effective, things that are not effective. Someone teaches you a trick that says, if you do this, you will do better. So you go, okay, I'm going to do that thing because I know it will benefit me, right? But I don't want to do that thing. It's, 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 a, it's a bridge too far, Nicole. There's something about it that drives me nuts. And I, I put myself in thumbnails and I'm stupid. So mm-hmm. I do that kind of stuff quite often. But it's, you know, it's going to be for good reason and it's not every thumbnail. So, but it's still, it just drives me nuts. I know. So you, you hit a nerve. Who asked that question? 
<laughs> that was uh, Ken. Yeah, I mean, anyone who follows me on social media probably has heard me talk about these the issues. Puppet, the puppet is talked about. <laughs> Usually the puppet discusses these things because uh, he, he can say things I can't. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because you did start off as a professional woodworker. You, We started yeah. this in 2006 as a way to educate our customers on the build process. And it kind of evolved. You just happened to be a naturally good teacher. So, yes. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but, but what I'm telling you, though, is it's really hard to resist the urge to improve statistically what we do. So like if you when see, I, a, see us do something, just know we're just trying it out. Well, and I do it sometimes because I do like to get reactions. Yeah. There are times like dressing up like a wizard and yeah. putting that on the thumbnail. <laughs> that was cute. Because I think it's funny. I thought you know, the kids it, loved it. And it legitimately was something we were trying to, to con- convey. But when you go to someone's page and all you see is <laughs> like every thumbnail, I'm like, oh my God, what a jerk. But I get it. I totally get it. And friends of mine do this. I get it. I totally understand. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to criticize them because they're actually making the smart choice. Yep. (laughs) God. Uh, Yeah, I already got him. Okay. Stupid. What else we got? Uh, Steven. Oh, no. Brian. Nope. Frank. I'm sorry. I have my list of questions. For those of you who don't know the process, I actually pull copy questions from the chat room when I put them in a notepad. Uh, Frank wants to know, I'm starting the wall hanging cabinet for my daughter. Uh, Modded Hmm. to a Murphy-style desk using hard maple. She wants it Whoa, whoa, hold up. You're doing a wall hanging cabinet that's modded into a Murphy-style desk? desk. Okay, you're doing something interesting. Let me hear more. Uh, She wants it painted white. Oh, it's a... It's for his daughter. For his daughter. I hear you. Any thoughts... On tips on painting, HVLP. Oh. Uh, I don't know what after assy is. <laughs> after assy? I don't know what that is. Well. <laughs> so, Frank, if you're still in the chat. I, I had several jokes just pop into my head, and I cannot say them because this is a family show. After assembly, he's saying. So, yeah, if you're going to paint, ideally, HVLP is a great way to do it. Um there are some really good paint products out there that you should look into, uh, but I've had a lot of experience with general finishes. One of the main reasons is I work with them, and they will sometimes send me stuff for free, and this crap is expensive, so I take it when I can get it. Even though there are other paint products out there that might perform better, I'm comfortable with it. I know how to wield uh, their milk paint products. I know how to top coat them. I'm I, So sometimes picking the finish you can apply well is better than picking a better finish that you don't know how to apply. So that's one method that I would suggest looking into. Um, I've done it on a couple different projects. It's using their milk paint product and then top coating it with something else. You could certainly do that in a white. It would look great. Uh, You can also also get pigments. You can buy like raw pigment in white, just a little quart, and you could add a couple dollops of that into a can of lacquer. So you can almost make your own tinted lacquer that way. Uh, and it actually does act kind of like a paint mixture. Um, the great thing is it's nice and thin because you're just using thin lacquer as your, your carrier for that pigment. Uh, you spray on a couple of coats and then you just slowly take, you know, put less and less of the pigment in there so that eventually you're just doing a clear coat on top of it. That can be a gorgeous finish and you're spraying lacquer the whole time. Um, so those are two like woodworkery type paint finishes that I think work really well. But 
there are great paints out there. Talk to people who know paint. I don't know paint, uh, but there's great solutions out there and great paint products that I'm not even aware of. <clears throat> I got a super chat from Robert Price. He said, that's all well and good, but how short do you trim your thumbnails? Um, what? Not that short. <laughs> because if I go too short, especially on my thumbs primarily, uh, if I go back to the point where there's no overhang mm. and no protection, it starts to rip. Ah. So I actually always have to have at least a sixteenth of an inch of nail, um, especially on my thumbnails and my forefingers. The rest I'm a little more flexible with. I could I can go straight back and, and get them nice and short. The other ones I have a little bit more of a problem with. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got another super chat from Gordon White. Uh, he said, in support of no a-hole picks and no... <laughs> What's that? Lurid? Lurid titles? Lurid, Lurid titles. Lurid title approach. Tittles, actually, tittles. is what he said. <laughs> I want some Lurid, lurid tittles. Lurid tittles. Look, I mean, the thing is, uh, it's marketing. And marketing is nothing more than uh, psychological manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. If we're really going to break it down is how do you get people to respond? Elicit emotion. Make them care. Make them think something. Um, a boring picture of a thumbnail or a... Not a thumbnail. A boring <laughs> picture of a breadboard is not going to get as many people clicking on it, that instinctive need to find out what is that about. It doesn't really do anything for you. But that's what I, what I did for that particular one. Would it have done better if I had posed with the breadboard and looked like an idiot? Probably would have done better. And uh, it's just a personal choice that, that we're all making for we ourselves. We should just get like a picture of you going, ah, and we just kind of put you in the put corner. Put it in every <laughs> shot and just rotate it <laughs> yeah. one corner to the next. Yeah, uh, and I just want to be clear, I am not throwing shade at people who do this because I totally understand it. And I actually admire their ability to do it and it's working for them. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I wish I could do it but it just doesn't work for me. Joshua A wants to know why you're messing with this card scraper. He also wants to know- It's my fidget. He also wants to know when Powermatic's gonna be here. Okay, so my mom brought this over. This is one of our scrapers we sell in our store, TWW store. Uh, it had a stain on the back that looked like a little scarab. It's weird. <laughs> so she brought it over because she wanted to see if I could clean it. And I was like, well, I actually need another scraper. So I brought it into the shop. That's why it's here. TWWstore.com if you want to pick up one of those scrapers. Yeah. Scraper. My breadboard exploded. What do I do? That's a good title. I like that. Uh, oh, that's a good title too. Does better when I look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are we done? Uh, I think so. Uh, we have a after show to do. We have some questions already for yep. the after show. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Here's the post. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you can head over to this link. I'll put it in the chat. Or you can just go log into your Patreon account mm -hmm. and you'll see it. Or if you're a YouTube supporter, a member, under the community tab is the link to the after show. Yeah. Um, and welcome Jim Schaefer to the YouTube member. Oh, oh welcome Jim. Yes. Thank you. Nice. You know, just a last thought. We, we were talking, uh, texting back and forth, me, Matt, and Shannon last night. And a video that Matt put out last week about sawing 8,000 pounds of white oak mm. <clears throat> has like 250,000 views or wow. something in a week. And we're having this conversation that uh, he's discovered that he has a lot more success showing his process of milling logs than he does building furniture. And it kind of makes sense. People like the, the spectacle of watching that amazing process uh, versus you really got to be interested in what he's building to want to watch a whole video of him building that thing, right? So we're just kind of going back and forth talking about how interesting it is. And I'm like, you know what it's like? It's like you're 
a really talented sandwich maker, mm. but you get more success when people watch you slice cheese. <laughs> right? I was gonna, it's not, it's not, the cheese. it's not the amazing, <laughs> delicious sandwich you made with that cheese that people want to see. They want to watch you slice Just that you cheese. Slice can, nice. How thin can you get that cheese? <laughs> how thin can you go? All right. Thank you for oh, watching, everybody. Have a great you. weekend, and we'll see you in the after show. Bye. Bye.